Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome to the Russ Podcast. Yes, we have an exciting episode today. Actually, it's going to be very informative, hopefully. We're going to be talking to Dr. Melissa Clark. She's a leading voice discussing COVID-19 and its effects on the African-American community. She's going to give us the update on COVID and the vaccine. Also, we're going to be talking to a nutritionist. Uh, She is an MSRDN CDE registered dietitian, certified in diabetes care, and an education specialist. She happens to be my first cousin. Her name is Joyce Hudson. And she's going to tell us how we can help ourselves in combating this disease and how we eat and the whole nine. Hey, Joyce, how you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. And thank you so much for having me today. You're so official when you're talking to me in this capacity. But that's okay. I listen, there are a lot of people that um, are concerned about COVID, obviously, that they should. And and coming up in a little bit, we'll be talking to Dr. Melissa Clark, who is a leading voice discussing COVID-19 and its effects in the African-American community. But what do you feel as a nutritionist is a reason why there is much higher COVID death uh, among African-Americans than other ethnic groups? I strongly feel it is due to our current dietary cultural patterns, which is negatively impact our overall physiological state. You are what you eat. And many of our diet patterns, such as the soul foods that we consume, it has been, it's been in our family in our generations forever. And it's one of the primary contributors to poor health. There are many reports and research studies being conducted as to diet and how it affects health. And one in particular in the Journal of Behavioral Medicine reports that 35% of all cancer deaths in the U.S. may be attributed to dietary factors. So what you eat definitely Mm. affects your health. So if we can digest that, for lack of a better word, uh, cancers and COVID, we're more uh, prone to have poor outcomes because of our diet? Is that what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. Our diet plays a large part of who and what we are, yes. Hmm. So in other words, when you talk about soul food, you're talking about like greens and fried chicken and things like that, correct? Uh, When we're talking about soul food, we're talking about foods that are high in sodium, saturated fatty meats, butter, sugars, and you know we eat a lot of gravy. Soul food can also be contributed to things like organ meats like chitlins and pig meat, mm. which is not an organ meat, but it's an extremely fatty meat. So the issue is, is that when we eat poorly, it causes inflammation in your body? Is, would that be accurate by saying that? What you eat can increase the inflammation in your body. And there's a lot of diets out there which we we look at, and particularly the Mediterranean diet. Uh, it's contributed to anti-inflammation. So the more inflammation that you have in your diet or in your body, 
can be the result of a lot of autoimmune diseases and other diseases that we have, yes. Okay, so how does this affect how the body responds when infected with COVID-19? How it affects COVID-19, people with already underlying medical conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, and lung disease are already in a compromised metabolic state. With the addition of something like as severe as COVID on top of what is already there, the results are more severe. If I may use this as an example, it's almost like pouring gasoline on an already burning fire. Mm -hmm. And research shows that 90% of those hospitalized with COVID that had severe COVID had at least one of these underlying medical conditions, such as diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, and so forth. Mm. So, Joyce, we're talking to uh, Joyce Hudson. She's an MSRDNCD registered dietitian and nutritionist, um, certified diabetes care and education specialist. Uh, Joyce, you've been eating bad all your life, okay? And we have all these um, issues going on with us. Can we reverse that? Can we reverse uh, the bad foods? Will that cha- make changes in our body, or this is just something we can just only mitigate to in a certain extent? Definitely, there are reversals. For example, with people with prediabetes, and that's why it's always recommended with prediabetes exercise and a change in the way that you eat. Mm-hmm. Um So absolutely, by changing what you eat, how you eat, will change your overall state physiologically and improve your health. I got to ask you, because there's a lot of people that um, are saying they're taking all these different vitamins, and what they're reading or what they're hearing is that certain vitamins that you take will help protect you from, or if you happen to, heaven forbid, get the COVID virus, will help you basically fight through it. Is is that accurate? Are there vitamins and other things that, that people should take on a daily basis that can actually give them some, some protection? There's a lot of information out there that has not been evidence-researched or, as you say, it has not been scientifically proven. Mm-hmm. There is research out there that's indicating that vitamin D will help with your immune system. It helps with colds, it helps with flu, it helps with a lot of uh, lung disease and so forth. But an excess amount of vitamin D will cause, it's very toxic and it's not advisable because it's what we call a fat-soluble vitamin and you can't, the body doesn't eliminate it as readily as B vitamins. Hmm. Zinc, zinc is out there. But it has not been evidence-proved. I mean, it's not research, it's not study, it's not solidified as to say, yes, this will help. So there's a lot of information out there mm-hmm. that uh, pertaining to COVID because it's a hot topic at this point in time, as it should be. Mm-hmm. But it has not been researched and proven. So just so to be on the like safe side, should we just take a multivitamin? Take a multivitamin. And I always recommend taking foods or getting your vitamins where they should be. It's naturally through eating the proper food. Because when you eat food, 
things are in synergy. And what I'm saying is when I say the word synergy, mm-hmm. for example, to with iron, you need vitamin C to uh, absorb iron better in your body. Well, taking a vitamin C pill will not do it because there's something in that orange versus eating an orange. Mm. Other nutrients, other elements in food that we have not discovered. And they work together for the absorption within the body to be more accurate. So mm. I, I feel like if you want to get your vitamins, by all means, rather than drinking orange juice, eat an orange. Mm. Uh, okay. Rather than getting the potassium or something like eat a banana. But by eating foods, the vegetables are high in your uh, beta carotenes and high in your minerals. That's excellent, Joyce. Hey, listen, if you guys want to get in touch with Joyce, uh, Joyce, what is your website? My web address is www.newapples.com. Okay, that's www.newapples.com. You guys got that? And uh, Joyce will get back to you because she looks forward to helping us, and we got to help ourselves. And we can't do it sitting up eating fast food every day. It's, it's just, and I know sometimes we just can't afford to eat healthy, but some people say it's too expensive to eat healthy, Joyce. And, and I, don't, I don't totally disagree with that. Yeah, it is. But it's not expensive, for example, to buy potatoes, greens, vegetables, fruit, an apple. Those are not very, very expensive foods. And then poultry. That's not an expensive compared to ground beef. You know, the two are about equal. The right. poultry has less fat in it, and it's, it's better for you. So it's what you choose. And if you have an issue, if you know a dietitian, a registered dietitian, and they can help you, and that's what we do. I see patients every day who can't afford, or some of them are homeless and so forth. Mm-hmm. And we give them suggestions of what they can eat that's nutritious for them. Well, I stand corrected, so it is affordable, y'all. So uh, don't take my word on it. Again, go to (laughs) www.newapples.com. Joyce, read her website, all the information she has there. Go there all the time because she's always updating. It's it's a a, a bevy of information that will help extend your life because eating, you're eating what you you are, what you eat. You know what I mean? We've got to eat for life, and that's what we got to do. Um, Joyce, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, and thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Thank you so very much for having me on. And if I can help in any way, please let me know. All right. You are what you eat. Absolutely. <laughs> Joyce Hudson, MSRDN, CDE, registered dietitian, nutritionist, certified diabetes care and education specialist. Up next, Dr. Melissa Clark. She's a leading voice discussing COVID-19 and its effects in the African-American community. She also hosts a uh, wonderful show it's called Excuse Me, Doctor. It's every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. And uh, she's awesome. She knows a lot about COVID-19. How you doing, Doctor? Doing great, Russ. How are you? I'm fine. All right. So first of all, let me tell everybody a little backstory. I think you're absolutely incredible, very knowledgeable uh, about COVID and its effects on our community. You took the shot almost a month ago, your first dose. And then you just got through taking your second dose, correct? That is right. How are you feeling? So the first uh, 
oh, I don't know, 24 hours, I felt great. Then I did start to feel a little achy, headachy, feverish, took some um, Motrin, and I am feeling better. I'm not 100%, but I feel significantly better. How long do they think those um, side effects are going to last? You know, worst case scenario, they're saying in a study they saw up to three days. And it's no, it's no wonder, you know, because the first time you get the shot, it's sort of like waking up your immune system. Right. The second time you get the shot, it's like, okay, your immune system is, is like, hey, wait a minute. I know this thing. And it mobilizes it even more. So the second shot really with these, um, a lot of people say that the second shot, you do have more side effects, which has been my experience thus far. Mm-hmm. But it just means that your immune system is working and responding as it should. Okay. Now, there are so many people that I talk to, especially uh, African-Americans, that have all these reasons why they're not going to take it. Uh, one guy says, well, I have pollen allergies and I need to be careful. Um, other people says, I'm not putting that voodoo medicine in my arm, that poison. Uh, and, of course, we are dying at disproportionate amounts than our, our counterparts. What do you say to those people? You know, a lot of the misinformation and conspiracy theories predate COVID. They're just around vaccines in general. They have been uh, purposely pumped into our community by Russian bots. You can check University of Maryland. They've done a lot of research on this. And it's been particularly pumped to the African-American community because We have this legitimate historic distrust of the medical community, and we also have current present-day experience that each one of us has had that has been potentially negative in terms of not being respected or felt like our lives don't matter. But what I would say is, in this instance, number one, talk with your healthcare professional so that you can ask them your specific concerns, like the gentleman with pollen allergy. Number two, realize that along every step of the way in this vaccine development process, there have been African-Americans, African-American scientists involved in it, like Dr. Kuzmikia Corbett, who has led the effort at NIH around the Moderna vaccine. And then number two, just like number three, just like you said, you know, if you weigh the fact that the vaccine is safe, the clinical trials have shown that, that it is 94 to 95% effective. And you weigh that against the number of people that are dying, over 65,000 black people have died so far compared to none from the vaccine. I think as you weigh whether the vaccine is for you, you have to take those, those risks and those facts into consideration. You know, getting into debates with people as to which one I can take or should I take, like right now, because of the scarce, scarcity of the vaccine uh, in the United States, the only ones that are kind of like available or semi-available are Pfizer and Moderna. Uh, I believe you told me you took the Moderna one. That's um, right. If you were to have a choice, because they're talking about the J&J, that Johnson & Johnson, which has a less efficacy rate, if you had a choice, what would you take? So, you know, you have to, again, talk with your healthcare provider and weigh each of these for your particular self. So for example, the Pfizer vaccine was tested in 16 year olds and above, the Moderna in 18 year olds and above. So if you're 17, you need to know that and you can get that information from your healthcare provider to choose. The Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine, which we're still finding out that information was just released um, in the 
past few hours about its efficacy, you know, we still don't have all the data to sort of go through and, and parse the various subgroups and how they perform. But that's information that eventually your healthcare provider will have and we'll be able to walk you through which one will be best for you. Um, if you're choosing between the Pfizer and Moderna, like I said, the main thing is the age difference um, right. at this point. All right. We're talking to Dr. Melissa Clark, who is an expert on, on COVID and COVID-related things. And uh, a lot of people are concerned about the long-term effects from the vaccine, because at this point now, we know what COVID does to us. At this point, we're trying to get everybody vaccinated. We've seen the president of the United States get it. The vice president of the United States get it. Um, you get it, uh, doctors, black doctors, everybody's getting it. What are the long-term effects? Do we know? So let's, yeah, let's talk about what long-term means. For most vaccinations, the side effects occur in the first two months. That's why the clinical trial period, they submitted their data to the FDA after two months uh, happened. And those include the main effects are the ones we talked about at the top, which are the body aches and the headaches and the chills that mean that your immune system is working. Those last no more than 72 hours. And then immediately, one side effect is potentially an allergic reaction. We've seen that only 11 people per million who got the Pfizer and four per million who got the Moderna have had a serious allergic reaction. They've all been treated successfully, and that's all been well. Um, there are other uh, side effects that the, they experience in the population, one of them being nerve system inflammation. However, they did not see that at any greater um, rate than the, the normal population. And then people have recently seen this concern about, you know, Hank Aaron took the vaccine and two weeks later, two and a half weeks later, unfortunately, he died. Right. And people are trying to say that there's some kind of linkage there. Remember, if you are vaccinating millions and millions of people right now, I think we're up to about 25 million vaccines given in the United States so far, mm -hmm. that you're going to have people that were all, already going to have diseases pop up. They're going to get in car accidents. They're mm -hmm. going to die. That was going to happen anyway. Right. And it just so happened that they got a vaccine. Yeah. These things are going to be investigated, but mm -hmm. you also got to keep that in mind that coincidences happen. I think the concern that I get from some of the people that I talk to is how about five years from now? Do we know what's going to happen? Are we going to grow an extra ear? Are we going to get cancer? Or these are some legitimate concerns because this vaccine was produced at record pace. So let's talk about the record pace first, and then that is an excellent concern that people have. So the, the pace of the vaccine, realize that this vaccine platform has been 10 years in the making. So it wasn't like created in a, in a short period of time. Okay. And as you hear about the variants, one of the benefits of the platform that they're using is with, as the variants come out, they're able to tweak the vaccine again very quickly. Unfortunately, because of the way this was politicized and a lot of aspersions cast on the FDA and the CDC by the previous administration, it threw more doubt on that, that uh, development process. Um, and then does it cause effects five and 10 years out. As I mentioned before, as we've looked over the history of all vaccines, the majority of all effects occur in the first two months. So there's no data to suggest that five years from now, 10 years from now, that there'll be effects from this vaccine, because we've been studying vaccines ever since 
the 1920s, and that's never happened. My wife has always been concerned about my daughter getting the vaccine because she says, well, what if she wants to have children down the road? Uh, is there any evidence that the vaccine can affect fertilization or your reproductive system? Yeah, you know, that's an excellent question because I've seen that going around on social media um, as a conspiracy theory. So the protein that they say is being attacked in the placenta that would lead to a miscarriage is totally unrelated to the vaccine, to the virus um, spike protein, which is what antibodies are created against in your system based upon the vaccine. So there's, there's actually no basis on that. The other thing that I've heard is that, oh, well, because it's genetic material that it interacts with your DNA and it will affect your eggs and your sperm and, and render you infertile. Well, again, that mechanism doesn't shake out because the mRNA never interacts with your DNA. It gets into your cell, but your DNA is in like a special compartment in your cell. So it doesn't even come anywhere near it. And the mRNA is destroyed within minutes. After it does its thing, it delivers wow. the information about how to make the virus, your body destroys it. So hmm. there's no way for it to do any kind of long-term damage because it gets destroyed in a matter of minutes. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine, I know that's kind of new. They're still getting out their information. Um, is it considered new technology where they basically um, they attach, I'm not sure if it's RNA, they attach it to the flu virus and it floats around the body to attack a coronavirus? Is that how it works or... So it, it gets, um, it's DNA that gets put into a virus that can't really cause problems. Mm -hmm. The adenovirus, which is the common cold virus, it's been modified and deactivated essentially. So it just acts as, you know, a car to, or a mode of transportation to get the uh, information about the virus spike protein into your system. And again, from there, once it gets it in, that, adenovirus gets destroyed by your cell and the DNA does what it, it gets copied and then uh, again gets destroyed by the body once it delivers the information about the virus spike protein and how it how it should be made hmm. and they keep in mind that these vaccines very closely mimic exactly what happens with a normal virus infection and we've been infected thousands of times in our lifetime with viruses that have done the exact same thing, that have presented their DNA and presented their RNA to our body. Our body makes copies of the virus. That's how it all works. So there's mm -hmm. nothing different about this process than what we're exposed to normally when we encounter viruses. This information is really good, Dr. Clark, because right now at this stage, I mean, you and I can sit here and we can talk about how COVID has ravaged the world, okay? We can talk about that, but we know where we're at with that. Right now, everybody has this concern about the vaccine. And when I see, I talk to black folks that are like, I'm not getting it, I'm not doing this and that, we'll never get it out of our community. It's just not going to happen. If you were to compare the vaccines, if you were, you had Pfizer and you had Moderna and you had Johnson Johnson, who's third place? I can't answer that without having reviewed the data. And, and that's really what I consider my trademark is I right. really don't speak on things that I don't know about right. yet. Okay. That's fair. Um, and so, you know, I will be happy, you know, once the data is fully released and I've had a chance to go through it. Mm -hmm. I also work with an organization called Black Coalition Against COVID-19 that's composed of a lot of other doc black doctors and epidemiologists and healthcare professionals. We go through the data and we make sure that it's, you know, that any recommendation we make is based on 
you know, solid facts and our, our understanding of what that, those facts are. All right. So basically uh, what you can speak on is that this vaccine is safe. I can speak to the fact that the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine are definitely safe because I've reviewed that data. Um, and once I've reviewed the Johnson & Johnson data, I'll be happy to speak to that as well. Yeah, because I think the basic difference between Pfizer and Moderna is how it's stored. Um, and like 1%, one-tenth of percent efficacy mm-hmm. rate. Um, before I let yeah, you go. And also yeah. how, how it's stored, um, that age difference that I mentioned before, and the fact that with Pfizer, it's three weeks between the two shots and Moderna, it's four weeks between the two shots. And keeping in mind uh, just one thing that's very different about the Johnson & Johnson is that it's only one shot is required. So I'm going to ask you a really dumb question probably. Um, the mRNA is a chemical produced in a lab, correct? Yes, but it, it mimics the virus. It is the same thing that the virus uh, mRNA is mm-hmm. right. So it's just mass produced in a lab, but mm-hmm. it's the exact same thing that the virus itself has. Mm-hmm. The main difference, and I just really want to drive this home, is that when the virus uh, invades your body and has its mRNA, it's for the entire virus. What the vaccine delivers is only one little piece of the virus, and that's the spike protein. And the reason why is it it activates your immune system without actually causing COVID. So you can't get COVID from the vaccine. They're saying that after you get the vaccine and you're allegedly in the clear, that you can still get COVID and pass it to other people. So keep in mind, COVID is the disease, right? And a lot of times we don't make that distinction. You can still be exposed to the coronavirus infection. The coronavirus, it can enter your body that won't make you sick with COVID, but you can still then pass that coronavirus to the next person who, if they haven't been vaccinated, can get very sick with COVID. So that's why, even if you've been vaccinated with both doses and the two weeks have passed after your second dose where you gained, you know, full immunity, you should still wear a mask. You should still distance. You should still avoid crowds where you might potentially pass the virus on to other people. So COVID, it's not like flu season where flu season comes and goes. Do you, is, would COVID have a season where it'll come to go? Because now they're saying that some of the cases are starting to back down because it's, we've already peaked. Would you, in your estimation, is there a COVID season? No. You know, if you look worldwide right now in South Africa, it's summertime and they're having the same full bone COVID uh, outbreak that we had, you know, during our winter time. So there is no seasonality to it. I think the peaks and valleys that we're seeing have to do with how compliant people are with lockdowns, with not traveling, with not congregating. And, you know, we just had the holidays, both Thanksgiving and Christmas. People got together with their families despite warnings. People, over a million people traveled. Um, so that accounts for the huge spike that we saw. We are hearing the hospitalizations are going down now, but that's because the travel season and the holidays are over. Gotcha. So we can't just assume that it's, you know, because it was over the winter time. Okay. We have to be diligent and continue to, you know, mask, mm-hmm. social distance, avoid crowds, and avoid travel unless it's life or death absolutely necessary. All right. Finally, 
after you receive your second dose of the Moderna or the Pfizer, how many more days or weeks after that where you're pretty much protected? So about two weeks. So two weeks from your second dose is when it's considered that you are fully immune. Hmm. Okay. You know, I want to thank you uh, because as always, I just think you're brilliant and um, you're up on the latest. I, I know you and I will talk during the week and <laughs> I'm asking you questions. I know I get on your nerves, but it's I, not at all. I, I, because I get hit with stuff and I don't want to give people wrong information because this is so yeah. important because it's life or death. We, we just had, we just went through the political scamming of Americans that lost their lives because they believed in myths and, and all these people are sitting around these, uh, these, these videos of people that look like they're doctors, but they're, yeah. you got some nuts in your profession too now. Okay. So oh, mo- <laughs> most definitely there's some in every profession. Absolutely. You know, and so just know, because you I, have the name doctor doesn't mean that you're right. Yeah. You know, that's cross, cross check those, you know, cross check with other people with reliable websites, you know, websites of universities, you know, websites of the CDC, your state health department, and you'll find reputable, well-researched, evidence-based information there. Check with the National Medical Association. Check with the Black Coalition Against COVID-19, as I mentioned, both websites where there are groups of Black doctors and health professionals who, you know, we know that Black lives matter, and that's why we're dedicated to make sure we get the truth out there. That's why I started my... my um, streaming show, excuse me, doctor, every Monday. So people could ask questions and I try to get researched and know what I'm talking about so I can answer everyone's questions as best as possible. Well, you're my go-to doctor and you are always on it and you have just made us a little bit more educated. Uh, I am going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say again, I am getting the vaccine as soon as that it's available. I know a lot of y'all say, don't do that. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to do it. I don't think that I'm taking a big chance because I've seen so many other people get it, people that are 90, you know, and, and getting it with no issues. So, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, my father's going to get it. He's 92. So yeah. I, I, I don't feel like I have a choice, but I do feel more confident that I can talk to somebody like you and people can hear your voice and that you can assure them that this is safe. And when Dr. Yeah. Fauci says it's safe and Dr. Clark <laughs> says it's safe, I'm good. Yeah, and the <laughs> chance that you're taking, the chance that you're really taking the gamble is getting COVID-19. Yeah. It'll turn out fine for the majority of people, for a lot of people. But for a lot of people, it won't turn out fine. I have a friend of mine right now who's struggling for his life in a hospital. He uh-huh. just got intubated. Um, I've seen people die. I know people who died who are close, close to me. It's not a risk worth taking because you don't know. It is so random as to who will be the person who doesn't do well. Yeah. Dr. Clark, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. All right. Thanks, Russ. Uh-huh. Be safe. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Melissa Clark. She's a leading voice discussing COVID-19 and its effects on the African-American community. And, of course, uh, you guys can check her out. She has her own show. It's on uh, Facebook Live and YouTube Live. It's called Excuse Me, Doctor, 9 p.m. on Monday nights. Make sure you check her out. But it's time now for my rant. Are y'all ready? Here we go. More than 60,000 black Americans are dead from COVID-19. They're saying one in three blacks won't get the vaccine. And I understand why. 
there are a lot of reasons for us to press the pause button. But I'm here to tell you right now, and I'm not going to judge you if you don't want to get the vaccine. I'm not going to judge you. But I just want to give you some facts and a little bit of my philosophy. I know the CDC back in the day when HIV and AIDS was just ravaging our communities. They did very little to prevent it. I remember that. Uh, You guys remember uh, Henrietta Lacks? Yeah, she died of cancer back in 1951. Yeah, that's when the doctors were removing cells out of her body. They were experimenting on her like she was a guinea pig, a lab animal. You remember that thousands of black women went for a routine checkup and were sterilized? Guinea pigs. Why are you pressing pause on that? Of course, the Tuskegee experiment, giving black men syphilis for like 20, 30 years and didn't tell them because they wanted to see the effects that it would have on the human body. See, the government experimented with black people to see what could possibly happen to white people. So I understand why we don't want to take the vaccine. But nowadays, y'all, I have to get you to understand, with 60,000 black Americans dead from COVID-19, we have to take a second look. I understand the history. But back then, they didn't have Google. Back then, they didn't have TV where we could actually see black people taking vaccines. Back then, we didn't have black scientists, well, we probably did, that were heading up the program for our vaccine. Things have changed. I understand why you're pressing the pause button. But I believe the Trump administration early on reopened the country early because they had data that said that black people were dying at a disproportionate amount than white people. People of color were just dying from COVID-19. So you got Stephen Miller and all these other racists, alleged, in the White House saying, why are we shutting down the economy when the only people really dying are people of color? Let's open it up. We accomplish two things. Kill two birds with one stone. We get rid of all these black folks who are on welfare, and we get our economy humming, and you get reelected. I guess that's three things. We are giving them what they want. Again, I am not judging you. If you decide you don't want to do this, I understand. But we have the information. We have it. It's almost like self-genocide to me. We now have the ability to be an advocate for ourselves. We have the information. But let's not give some of them what they want. Again, we have the knowledge. And knowledge is power. Vaccinate, y'all. That's my rant. Stay frosty. Thanks for listening to the Russ Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and give us a rating and let everyone in your circle know about the Russ Podcast. We'll be dropping Russ's rants occasionally, so make sure you check that out. And a new episode each week. Check me out during the weekday mornings on the Russ Parr Morning Show, syndicated nationally. Make sure you follow us on all socials at Russ Parr Show. Thanks again, y'all.